Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect Podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, I'm honored to have the extraordinary Nicole Eggert as my guest. Nicole is a true icon in the entertainment industry, having captivated over 1.1 billion viewers weekly through the legendary TV series Baywatch. Her talent and dedication have led her to work with some of the biggest names in film and TV, even before her Baywatch days, solidifying her position as a respected actress in the industry. Beyond her accomplishments on the screen, Nicola is also an aspiring advocate, fearlessly using her voice to speak out on important topics. Her passion for making a positive impact in the world is truly commendable, and we can't wait to hear more about her advocacy work and the causes she holds close to heart. One of the most exciting things I'm eager to learn about today is the upcoming project, Baywatch The American Dream, where we'll see the original cast come together once again. This reunion is sure to bring back a wave of nostalgia for fans worldwide, and I can't wait to hear all about the experiences and memories that Nicole will be sharing with us. Additionally, Nicole has been working on a new show, Perfectly Twisted, which promises to be another captivating addition to her impressive work. Throughout the episode, Nicole will be sharing her truths and personal journey, which we know will be incredibly enlightening and inspiring. From a rise to stardom at a young age to carving her own path in the industry, there's so much wisdom and experience to uncover. So without further ado, let's welcome the fantastic Nicole Egger to the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's been some time because obviously, like, one of the most recognized faces from one of the biggest TV shows. Half of the cast have been on the campaign. I've been trying to get you on for a while. Heard so many great things about you. But um, yeah, just thank you. It means a lot to come on. And I want to take it back to the beginning. Obviously, people know you as one of the most prominent figures from TV series. But where did it all begin for you? Well, that's funny that you say that. My parents were European and they grew up during World War II. And they met in Hollywood. My father was literally from East Germany. My mother was from London. And they wanted to get out of there. Both places, they just needed to get out. They met in Hollywood, got pregnant. And <laughs> um, and then my dad, you know, he got a great job. He was a great, he, he was an engineer and a great businessman. And um, they built a home in Huntington Beach eventually. But um. So my mom became like this living the dream housewife thing in the 70s, you know, and uh, she put me in beauty pageants, which, if you know me well, um, is not fitting for me whatsoever, like in the slightest, um, like you, she she would force me to brush my hair, but it was this... Um, this thing and she thought yeah you're this beautiful kid and you know this the suntan and all like she had all these like dreams and aspirations which I did not share <laughs> and um 
she put me in them and it advanced and advanced. And I just kept winning these things. And she'd be like, get out of the pool. You have to be on stage. You need your hair dry, you know? And it was like, all I cared about and all I really enjoyed about going to these beauty pageants is they were all at different hotels that had fabulous pools. Mm. So I was always in a swimming pool. And um, I ended up winning Miss Universe. And when they had a petite division and <laughs> it was on television, and the phone just started ringing and it just was like my laid out destiny. It wasn't anything um, that we predicted. It wasn't anything that I conjured. I was four, I was four years old. Um, so old. it just happened. Wow. That's incredible though. But when it did happen, it didn't just happen in a small way. Like there's a lot of people that want to claim this fame and get to that. For you, when it went through that, it kept on growing this trajectory. And then you hit the TV screens on, what was it like? 1.1 billion viewers weekly with Baywatch. That's like superstardom. What is that like behind the scenes? You know, interesting enough, it's kind of why I left the show because, yeah, it was the number one show in the world, but it was sort of um, taking away from everything else I had done up until then. You know, we went, we had to endure the Baywatch bimbo. Then it kind of elevated into the um, the Baywatch babe. And now we're finally at like Baywatch icon. But that's been a lot of years. That's been a lifetime. And for me, I had done such good work and had been so lucky to work with so many like A-list people and on fabulous projects and everything. And I find myself here and casting directors you know just the jobs aren't the same anymore suddenly it's like you're not being taken seriously and personally I'm uncomfortable because I wasn't really in touch with like my sexuality yet um so there was all this like mi mixed emotions of panic really and it created a panic in myself and um the young Nicole I mean I was 19 20 years old I decided to run I was like you know it's like fight or flight or fight I, I ran I fled like I was like get me out of here um so now I'm proud of it you know now I'm finally proud of it but it really kind of threw a monkey wrench in my in my whole career yeah I mean like because I've got to know mutual friend Jeremy really well and he's so open about his experience and and like a lot of you are from from shows in that era but what would you want people to know that already experienced kind of anxiety, self-doubt and going into an industry that they've got to be prepared for if it does take off in a big way like that? Cool. Well, it's, I mean, it's not easy at all. There's nothing, there's nothing easy about it. It's sort of like um, the public thinks that, you know, it's, it's, and it's true because it, it's real. As soon as you put yourself out there and you go on a tv show or a film or anything you are up for scrutiny you're up everybody can say whatever they want to you whether it be good or bad and um, they feel like you owe it to them for them to be able to ridicule you like that quite honestly and i mean i get it i get both sides i really do because yeah you choose to be in the public eye, then you have to deal with the public scrutiny. But um, I think people tend to forget that there's actual human beings, <laughs> you yeah. know, behind the face. How, how did you navigate through that noise? 
because you've not only got to contend with the, the the kind of stardom that comes, but then the comments. And obviously with a show like that, a lot of it is based on aesthetics. And then you're suddenly like, I can't put a foot wrong. And it's like, I've been in the health and fitness industry for a long time. And it's, you see people trying to maintain this certain look and it's, it's, that's a lot of mental headache in itself. Well, I mean, and I think my lucky stars every day during those years, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't social media, right? So in all my awkward teen years and my growing up years and all my insecure years, um, there wasn't this Mm. thing that you could, these platforms that you could just go on and like rip people to shreds. I have experienced it later now um, as an adult and um, it was harsh really really harsh I came out against my abuser and um I did not realize that he was a Trump supporter and so it became a very political thing and um you know from the death threats and the trolling and the all of the messages I I realized and there's no way I would have been able to handle that as a young girl hmm. no way yeah and it, it, it only seems to be getting worse, doesn't it? Like the highlights and the social medias, these new platforms coming out, like it's, don't know where it's, it's growing. Going. It's not going anywhere. It's growing. But I do think there is an awareness. I do want to give humans the, the credit that I feel like people are in this momentum of like wanting to see people do well. They are in this like, um, it, this moment of like reminiscing back and appreciating and kind of letting everything go. Of course, you're still going to have the trolls. Of of course, you're still going to have like people who are miserable and confused and don't know what's going on. And they like to lash out. You're always going to have that and they have their keyboard. So they've got their weapon. But I think as, as a whole, people have become so much more accepting of each other and compassionate towards each other, right? Like you can't age shame, you can't body shame, you can't look shame, you can't do all these things anymore, rightfully so. And, um, you know, I I find that to be beautiful. And I, I find that it's our younger generations that are making that a staple. You know, they really are going, wait a minute, stop it. You can't do this anymore. It's not like, let's tear everybody down. That's not what we like anymore. We we like to rejoice. So I, I, you know, it makes me hopeful for the human race in that regard. Finally. Good. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there is going around. Um, but, but the person behind the scenes, be, behind everything that you've managed to achieve, you're a huge advocate for speaking out, especially on cancer research due to your dad. Can you tell us more about the work you do in that area? Well, um, I lost both, both my parents had cancer. Um, and I'm, so paranoid and desperately trying to not I have two best friends um battling right now and my same age both females and it's this um you know it's just I really think it's about awareness it's really about everybody go get checked go get your colonoscopy it's not that bad I've done it and it's it's not bad it's not a bad thing um you know, everybody just being their own health advocate is so important. Um, and, you know, yeah, I've looked into doing, you know, um, skincare and sunblocks and things like that to go to cancer research. Um, you know, the pandemic really put a halt on a lot of things <laughs> that are happening. But 
I will always continue to promote it. And um, I have an upcoming project and all the proceeds will go to City of Hope, who's treating one of my best friends. And, and her insurance company declined her surgery, believe it or not, as wild as that sounds. Um, and uh, City of Hope gave her a grant and, and did the surgery anyway. So I feel like I want to do something for them. Well, yeah, there there is some incredible things out there. One of the reasons for IPC, I always remember this young girl and I came across it, it was put on my path and she'd gone for a mental health appointment and she was crying on camera. She was 10 minutes late. So they canceled it and she'd been oh. waiting for three months and they told her because she was 10 minutes late, they'd have to rebook her, which was going to be another two months wait. And I just, that was one of my big passions for like really just getting everyone together and trying to let the public aware that like, I was just like, yeah, like, oh, yeah. And this was the UK. So I was like, if that's happening in the UK and where's all this money that's going into research and there's people who actually need imminent help right now, what can we do if the public actually comes together and tries to anyway, not political, but <laughs> like that sort of stuff, like you say, when you hear about your friend and it doesn't happen and you're like, hold on a minute, what is going wrong in the system? Like it's a life. It's, it's, a, it's an entire life, a single mom of a young girl, um, hundred percent single mom, just like I am of my girls. And this, her daughter has not like, no, we have to save this life. This is a very important life to many lives. Exactly. So yes. And you sit there and you go, and it's insurance. She pays a lot of money for like premiums and it's a big yeah. company. And they, she said, they just find me cheaper dead. Like they just would rather me be dead. And I was like, this is a heartbreaking. This is horrible, you know? I think the pandemic though, if we're going down this road, the pandemic really has opened a lot of people's eyes that where all this money goes with a lot of things. And I think the public, if we come together collectively, but like you said, during that there, you said it shut down a lot of things. And one of the things it shut down was a project that you're doing at the moment. Um, they watched the documentary. So do you want to yeah. speak into that? Well, it didn't shut it down, but it slowed us down. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> slowed us down because we had a lot of um, we had a lot of interviews, you know, on, on deck, and um, we were we were doing you know quite a few a day, and had to slow down to one to two a day, and um, and that's okay. It, you know what? It, you know, strangely, we were so sad in the beginning, and then I thought. But this makes perfect sense because the reason Baywatch was such a hit is because there was so much negativity going on in the entire world. The whole world was like in a weird place at that at that time, those early 90s. And everybody wanted like escape escapism. Everybody wanted a feel good show to just like forget all their problems for the moment. And um, that's what this is going to be once again. And I see a resurgence of people wanting lighthearted, fun, um, you know, good stuff like that feel good stuff. So kind of it all makes sense. Like in hindsight, I'm like, ah, this totally makes sense that this happened to us. But probably meant to be them extended. I think so. Time right now. Everything. everything. So um, so what's the premise behind it and what are we expecting to see? Okay, so we started it as being like, how did this show become so popular before the internet? How did it send, you know, make worldwide trends before the internet? You know, it was through the TV and it was sort of like, what is this phenomenon? And it really evolved into something um, 
beautiful because Matt Falker, our director, really got to know everybody on a personal level, really, really took the time. He really invested himself. This wasn't just an expose. And we said that from the beginning. We're like, this is not going to be something anybody's seen before. We're not going to use any of those stock photos. We're not going to use anything you've seen on all the true stories, blah, 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 and all these other weird little documentaries that have happened. We're not using any of that. We are going to go in and shoot it what it would look like today. So um, we've got an amazing cinematographer who worked for Surfer Magazine forever. Miles is just, he's so good. And um, we do a lot of water work, a lot of beach work, and we're just catching up with everybody um, and their journeys, yeah. you know, where, what has happened since the show. And there's a lot of roller coaster rides in there. There's a lot of roller, and everybody's in a great place right now. And so it, it all tied together beautifully because there were ups and downs and twists and turns, of course. And um, you really just get to know people. Like you get to know the real stories, the real, none of the who dated who it's not about that. It's about like, how did this affect everybody personally? But like you said there before, when it's like um, you, you see this thing that gains so much stardom and how quickly it grew. And we know the media, how it works. There'd be the clickbait stuff of that stuff, but yet to show a different side of them. I think a lot of people where humanity is, people want to connect, human connection, and actually go, wow, that's Nicole for Nicole. Now I can understand or appreciate the way that they went. So I think that's amazing. When, when's that due out? Well, it's um, it's right now in the hands and it's being um, the dealings are happening right now. So it's finished. Um, it's going to be we have it edited as a four part series. Um, there are some people suggesting there's some networks suggesting, you know, maybe changing that. Um, so all the dealings and all the happenings are happening. And I think within the next couple of weeks, we should know where where we're going to be able to show it. That is the um, executive producer. Um, it's his money. Um, sort of my idea, his money. Because um, I, I was shopping um, a Baywatch show prior. And I took it to a lot of networks. I had a you know a good group of the cast together. And um, it, it was sort of like everything was turning reality. Because this was a little, this was quite, this has been a few years now. And it was when reality was like, everything has to be a reality TV. And it just wasn't clicking and nothing was like sticking and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then Matt said to me, well, we were discussing uh, documentaries because we're both huge fans. And he said, what about the Baywatch project being a documentary? And we were like, <laughs> my Lord, there it is let's go let's do it so I called Hasselhoff and I was like what do you think and he's like I'm in so I called Matt back I'm like he's in let's go so wow and then it's just, yeah I've, I've seen the YouTube is there official website people can go to because I know it's all over YouTube and I've been watching looks incredible well, I mean for me I, it's, it's funny because Matt controls the social media but it um Instagram is where he focuses. And so it's a Baywatch documentary, The American Dream. The American Dream. Baywatch, The American Dream, I think is what the handle is right now. And um, he puts stuff up, takes stuff down, puts stuff up. And, and he is a little bit all over the place with it. But you can definitely get a vibe from that. Um, and I think he knows what he's doing when he does all of that. And um, you, you know, <laughs> I do. I do. If it wasn't for him. 
his passion, we wouldn't be here, honestly. Like his, he has um, kicked this into gear and kept kept everybody going and kept everybody's spirit up. And uh, yeah, I love him for it. He he wasn't a part of it, was he? I was I was watching some interviews with him before. He just he was a huge fan. Yeah, he was a huge fan. He became a lifeguard, uh, like uh, some kind of like lifeguard because of it and has always been a huge fan. And I think he's going to do lifeguard tryouts this year. Wow. Good on him. He's going to, he's going to, yeah. Cause he's spending so much time. He moved out to Malibu um, and he's spending a lot of like, he's, he's on the dock and then his free time is with all the lifeguards on the beach and they have talked him into trying out. So, and he could do it like he, he could totally do it. So that'd be amazing. Could you imagine though, like this just came to my head, like if, if Baywatch was about to come out these days with social media, the size of 1.1 billion equally, and it's not even like, what was the research that you found? Like how, how big could it have potentially been now? Like, well, you know, it, that was sort of a question we just kept asking. And I think we're leaving it to people's imaginations. We all have different views on what we think it could be or would be. And um, with all the reboots happening, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan. I mean, the original is the original, and let's enjoy that. And you can always go back to that. And um, this is a good. The, the documentary is like a good catch up and um, get to know everybody a little deeper. But I don't think you can recreate that. And I, I don't. I, I just don't know, and I don't know how it would hit um with the young people like that did that was that wasn't a special era it was something that was just you know you can't really explain it you can't put it into words and i don't know if that exists anymore because people's you know attention span is tiktok very true yeah i must admit i've never seen the new baywatch with the rock and that but i understood why they did it and they brought it up to speed with this demographic with zac efron but it's the same thing as uh friends there's so many young people who don't understand it. And that was huge in our era. And everyone's like, I don't get why it's funny. Why do you lot find it funny? And it's like, are you joking? It's Friends and Baywatch. And so, yeah. yeah. So question for you, though, I ask everybody that comes on the campaign, with everything you've been through, lessons learned, wisdom gain, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Um. Well, with all the, the hard stuff I've gone through, I wouldn't be who I am without it. Um, I think they're perfect is like such a bad word. I mean, like, you know, what, what's perfect. Nothing's perfect. What's normal. Nothing's normal. It's, it's the quirks and the scars and the, the trials and the getting up and dusting yourself off that makes you a, who you are and be smarter, hopefully. And, um, and it, it just is everything. It's like, what, how boring would you be if you, if everything was so perfect all the time? And, you know, also like coming to terms with things for yourself, like saying, okay, I'm not in the best headspace right now. This is not what's happening. Everything around me right now, this is not good. Um, and, you know, putting your foot forward to like a, make a change in your life and feeling that change and how healthy that is and all the good stuff that comes with that is like, it's such a good feeling, right? Like I remember the first time I ever entered therapy, I was really young. I was 
all over the place. And I was like, this is like the best thing I could have ever done for myself, you know, like, and so I've always been a huge advocate and I'm really good with, um, recognizing like when things are not okay, but sometimes you have to go through that, right? Like you got to go through that to get to the other side and there is another side. Yeah. You know? Um, so for me, like imperfectly perfect is you're perfect because, you know, that that's what makes a solid, strong human is dealing with all the punches, all the kicks, rolling around on the ground, trying to figure it out and then getting back up and, and going, again, going <laughs> back in for more punches, you know, and that's what we do. So just, just just this one, you, you've got your daughters and for the younger generation, you've experienced your own struggles with mental health along the way, like a lot of us have. What advice, and we can only give personal advice, what advice would you have given to your younger self if you masked them? Or what advice would you give to the younger generation that are going through and often masking it because of what they're seeing on social media and thinking everyone lives this high life? Right. You know, that's really smart because I was talking about this the other day. It's like so easy to put things in a box and put it away on a shelf. Right. And go, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm not going to deal with that. And that was sort of an old way of thinking. And especially like in my industry, this industry, it is um, it's what you do because you didn't in those days, you didn't talk about it. So everything was like happy, peachy, keen. Everything was wonderful. Luckily, it's okay now to say like, no, I'm not okay. This isn't okay. And I think the sooner you address it, the sooner you you talk about it, the sooner you realize it's an issue, the sooner you can get over it or move past it, right? You know, put it in your pocket and keep going rather than putting it away in a box in storage in the back of your brain that's just going to burn, you know? Yeah. And come back to the top sooner. Other than the documentary, Nicole, what else have you got going on project-wise for yourself? Well, I, I do have a podcast as well. Yes, it's called do. Perfectly Twisted, which, <laughs> you <laughs> know, keeping with the theme. Yep. <laughs> it's perfectly Twisted because I have come out of this being able to laugh at, you know, the, um, <laughs> the madness I have lived through. And... Um, so you can catch that at perfectlytwistedpodcast.com. And of course, across all social media is the same, so, uh, perfectly twisted. But I'm having a blast with it. I really, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, um, but it really, really is a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. You, you just catch up with people and especially when you know them. Yes. So right. You were just saying before the show, like you wish that we'd stay on uh, Zoom instead of going back to real life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, today was so stressful for me, like actually driving around the city of L.A. and like parking and like making appointments and like the hours spent on the road when I could be doing things at home and on Zoom. I It was it was a lot for me. Today was kind of a I'm going to have to have some decompression time tonight. And like because I am not used to it. I haven't had a day like today in years because there hasn't been so much in-person stuff. And um, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we should be all done, and I said this often, is prior to the pandemic, wouldn't it be bloody good if you had shares in Zoom? My God. Yeah, I know. You missed the boat on that one, but... Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, well, who knew, right? Like, 
for me, I was like, it's not FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's Zoom? Yeah. And it was so weird because when I had my very first Zoom meeting and then I would, I, I, I'd already had it downloaded because I had used it before. And I was like, well, look at that. I do have it. And yeah, it's been a, <laughs> what a blessing. Been a, been a journey. Well, I just want to say on behalf of me, on behalf of the campaign, thank you for lending your voice, sharing your story and making a difference with the work you do. The documentary, all your links will be going up when everything goes out. So guys, one of the main things about Imperfectly Perfect campaign is please remember to have the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.